Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittram, and ladies joined as ever by festive Sidlow, who's really in the uh, Christmas spirit. He's got his uh, reindeer antlers on, he's got a, a Christmas hat on as well, he's also got a Christmas jumper on. He looks really like I've never seen anyone be more festive. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip. You might not be telling the truth. None of those things are true. Um, I did another podcast today with some people who are wearing Christmas jumpers and um, wow. getting into the festive spirit. And uh, I was wearing a black T-shirt. I said, like, I'm not getting into this. I'm not involved in this nonsense. And I'm very, I'm very glad that you and me are on a similar level. Yeah, I'm also wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> and yawning and generally a little bit jaded yeah. and uh, really not that fast. I, I've, spent so, la- good. I've spent the last hour moving the same paragraph around. And go, no, it doesn't go in there, and it doesn't go uh, in yeah. there, it doesn't go in there. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not having the best of days. I'm excited to see where it does finally go, so yeah. you know, do let us know. Uh, I might just put it, it, I might just it, put it in the bin, but then it's the whole point yes. of the bloody piece, and so, so now <laughs> I've, I've, I've created a piece around a concept which I'm now thinking doesn't actually work. Anyway. This is a wonderful insight into how things work. If you're wondering how how Sid writes his articles, by the way, it is actually an insight because Sid spends bloody ages writing his articles. Really gives everything of himself, and you can tell it because it also takes a lot out of him. And um, yeah, a little bit jaded at the moment. But let's perk you right up, Sydney, and talk about what happened on Match Day 17. Shall we do that? Yeah, good idea. Right. Speaking of perking oneself up, I should not talk about what happened on Friday. I was genuinely so upset that Rio conceded with the last kick of the game to lose 1-0 at Osasuna. Third year in a row that Rio have conceded in injury time to lose away at Osasuna. I went to bed absolutely furious and then I was angry with myself for getting angry because it's only football. At least Spurs won on Friday night, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good. But a big win for Osasuna. They really needed that huge win for Celta Vigo, who beat Granada by a goal to nil in a game which could really have decided Rafa Benitez's future. Had he lost that, yeah. he might have been out, but he didn't. They won only their second win of the season, and he is safe for the time being. Athletic club absolutely pulverized. Atletico Madrid uh, at San Mamés on Saturday afternoon. It only finished 2-0 to Athletic, but genuinely at half-time, it could have been 4 or 5-0 uh, to Athletic, who hit the post three times. They missed the penalty as well. They were absolutely brilliant. We'll talk more about them uh, in just a moment. Uh, Sevilla, it was the final game in charge for Diego Alonso, as we suspected it might be. Didn't think it would finish quite like this, but they were beaten 3-0 at home by Getafe and Sevilla were absolutely woeful. Uh, really good performance from Getafe. And the final game in charge for Diego Alonso, who had 11 matches across the Champions League and La Liga and didn't manage to win any of them. 
quite literally the worst manager in Sevilla's history. We're expecting Kike Sanchez Flores to be named as his replacement uh, any moment. And by the time he listens, he, he has might... been. Yeah, he, he has yeah. been. Well, I don't know if he's been officially named, but he's he's turned up at the station and told everyone he was going there. So I don't know if it's an actual sort of announcement, but um, right. You know, he's, okay. Maybe it's just the short walk from 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 Santa Justa to the piece one, and they've just got to wait ten minutes for him to get there. So Kike Sanchez Flores is the new manager of Sevilla uh, and he has got an enormous amount of work to do. Uh, then on Saturday night, Valencia and Barcelona played out uh, a 1-1 draw. Barcelona once again dropping points. Xavi once again pretty happy with how they played, but it not a, not a good result for uh, for Barca. Then on Sunday, Almeria nil, Mallorca nil, Real Sociedad nil, Betis nil. Uh, although the La Real-Betis game was really quite fun, really quite exciting and plenty of chances at either end. Uh, Las Palmas and Cadiz finished 1-1 and Real Madrid uh, really steamrolled Villarreal 4-1 at the uh, Bernabeu. Uh, Real Madrid uh, really very good indeed, Villarreal really not. Uh, Monday night, I hope everyone does their homework. Hashtag always watch Girona, the side who will go top of the table if they win are at home to uh, Alaves. Uh, so a bit of pressure on Girona, actually. Interested to see how they get on for the first time. There's a bit of pressure, bit of expectation. Everybody thinks they're going to beat Alaves. Everybody's expecting them to go top of the table. Let's see how they deal with it. Right, to the talking points of uh, match day 17. But before we get to that, Sydney, this is what you would do if you weren't part of TSFP. You would give the gift of TSFP to the Spanish football fan in your life this Christmas, wouldn't you, Sid? I certainly would. In fact, I would give it to many Spanish football fans in my life. What you do is, you, is you, you'd sign them up for annual membership at patreon.com forward slash TSFP and you get 10% off. Uh, patrons get a bonus podcast and a Q&A pod every single week, plus one episode a month of TSFP Presents and a Rincon Cultural. You get Al's occasional paper reviews and they can join the fantastic community of people who genuinely love Spanish football and love talking about it, exchanging uh, ideas, thoughts and jokes on the TSFP Discord. Join us. It's around four euros a month. And even someone who's just got a passing interest in Spanish football. I think they get something out of it because um, there's something for everyone uh, at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Right, that was the big sales seed. It was the last pod before Christmas. Very good. Had to really give yeah. it. Okay. All right. Let's get to the talking points. You were at the Bernabeu. Were you at the Bernabeu last night? No, I was not. No. You weren't. You weren't. No. I had a very strange weekend. I, I, I did lots of football watching on telly. It was, it was quite odd. You're going to tell us why you had a strange weekend? Well, I had all sorts of... Well, there's a... There's a <laughs> There's a tremendous episode of Rincon Cultural to come off the back of this. I, I I did one of those driving courses where they speed awareness uh, where they course. give you back the point. Yeah, where they give, it wasn't actually for speed, but anyway, where they give you back the um the points they took off you if you go through a very very long process, and it was absolutely surreal. Yes, um, and that took out quite a lot of my weekend. Can confirm that I was getting sort of minute by minute updates from Sid uh, on the uh, lunacy of uh, what was the Spanish Speed Awareness course that it was really quite extraordinary and I think we might do a full episode of Rincón Cultural on it because it was quite <laughs> quite bizarre um, anyway you weren't at the Bernabéu Al was uh, you and I were both watching on telly uh, Real Madrid beating Villarreal by four goals to one we'll get to the performance and some of the individual brilliance um, of Modric and Bellingham in just a second the big news from this game, Sid, is that there was yet another ACL tear for a Real Madrid player. Mm. It's the third of the season. David Alaba is out for the rest of the campaign, joining Courtois and Militao. Ancelotti says he's never had three ACL injuries in four months. I mean, you know, struggling to think of anything similar. It's it's really quite extraordinary. And now the, the talk is of if they'll sign anyone in January. Yeah, and, and logic suggests that they do. Um, really? Do you think you, they will? Uh, we... 
well, we were talking about this off air, or, but actually, to be fair, you and Al were talking about this off air, and I came into it slightly late. But there's 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 a recall they can uh, Marin from from Alaves, who they could they could bring back. Um, Ancelotti was asked yesterday about what the options are, and he said the first choice is uh, is Charmeni, and he said that that's probably where he'll play. Uh, I must admit, I slightly misinterpreted that because I initially thought, well, hang on, surely the first choice is Nacho, but but it meant the first choice of the ones that weren't natural central central defenders in the squad so you you've um you, you've got Nacho and you've got Charmeni who who can go into the team alongside Rudiger um I I wouldn't be at all surprised if they sign someone the question I suppose then becomes who and do you sign someone that you know probably then won't play when everyone is fit again or do you sign someone that you think is good enough level that you're buying someone permanently rather than a rather than a stopgap replacement um i guess you probably don't necessarily want a starter because then you do create problems for yourself later on and maybe maybe even in truth you create problems for yourself in the short term because nacho probably wouldn't be very pleased Mm. Um, and, and, and I think the, the evidence of the way that Nacho performs is that I'm going to use that horrible cliche that everyone uses about him, that he's reliable, that he doesn't let you down. Um, but I think, I think Madrid will have to do something. What I don't know, and I will confess this uh, openly, I don't know enough about the quality of the central defenders in the Castilla side. So I don't know if there's a natural promotion that can be that can be made from there. I think the uh, the two first choice centre backs are actually injured for Castilla, so uh, they're not in great shape either. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Um, I mean, for me, uh, bringing back Rafa Marin is the obvious, obvious yeah. um, solution. You've got a player who's been playing in La Liga this season who would be absolutely delighted uh, to try and help out at Real Madrid and get a chance in the uh, in the first team. He started nine games for Alaves so far this season, um, so he's got plenty of minutes in in the division. The question is, we don't. I mean, I don't know the terms of his uh, of his loan, but I, I mean, people are suggesting that he he does he does have a chance of uh, of coming back. Um, so that would be an option. I can't see Real Madrid going into the market. That's the thing. I, I really don't think that they'll go and buy someone mm. in January. So I think they'll try and either bring him back or try and just get over it with Chamonix as a backup, maybe Mendy as a centre-back. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, Mendy, Mendy could play there in theory and, and, and not least, of course, because Madrid have... Uh, plenty of other options at left back, so it's not like yeah. if you lose Mendy, then you've got a problem. You've got to fill in at left back because you can, you can, you can find. Well, Fran Garcia can play there, obviously when he's fit again. Camavinga can play there, although maybe you don't want Camavinga too because you're already moving Chouameni out of midfield, and so therefore Camavinga becomes Chouameni's position. Um, and, yeah. and and one of the, I think one of the remarkable things actually about about Madrid's performance level uh, and results this year is that they've done it with really genuinely significant injuries. Mm. Um, we've, we've barely talked about the absence of Vinicius, mm. who last year we would have said is their best player. Mm. In fact, we might even have had him down. I think last year there would have been periods when we'd have said he's in the top five in the world. Yes. And, 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 you know, he's, he's been missing for, what, eight, nine weeks and we've hardly noticed. Mm. All right, we'll see how Real Madrid uh, deal with this uh, big blow. If there's something you want us to talk about, remember, send us a question for tomorrow's Q&A podcast. To some of the individual performances then, uh, Jude Bellingham scored his 13th league goal in his 15th league appearances. Rodrigo has got eight goals in his last five games. And Brahim has got two goals and an assist in the last three games. Al's got here in the uh, production notes, looks a decent attacking trio uh, all three of them played uh, really well the Brian goal is absolutely sensational yeah, individual goal uh, Rodrigo's is a sort of smart close range finish and Jude Bellingham's is a magnificent header after a really quite ridiculous ball in from Luka Modric who played Luka Modric an absolutely incredible game I was just staggered at how good he was not because I you know we know Luka Modric is very good at football but to come in at 38 and to turn it on like that not just the skill not just the passes he was spraying around 
the pressing, Sid, the pressing, leading the pressing for the front. He was the one who was pressing the, the Villarreal centre-backs. It was an extraordinary performance from Modric, I thought. And it really paid off as well, didn't it? Because Villarreal struggled with that really mm. quite badly. In, in fact, surprisingly badly. Mm. Um, but they, they really did struggle with that. And you're right, Modric's energy, Modric's attitude, I think obviously he feels like he has a point to prove. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think there's any doubt at all that he's unhappy about the fact that he's not played more. Injuries give him the opportunity now to make a case that keeps him in the side. Now, obviously there will be types of games in which you're more or less likely to play Modric. It will be depend as well on on this uh, ongoing injury problem and, and, and whether you lose so many from there into the defence, albeit, albeit you know he's not played recently anyway, um, what happens with Camavinga when he's fit again and so on. But I think, I think we are going to see quite a lot of minutes from Modric this year. I suppose the question then becomes, do Madrid prolong this whole thing for another season? Does Modric want to prolong this whole thing for another season? Because right now, hmm. you don't look at that squad and think we could afford to lose Modric. You look at that squad and think we, we can't afford to lose this guy. Even if it's true, when everyone's fit, you might not start him. But they play better with him in a team. Um, they did. They played really, really well. And you're right. Uh, his pressing made things very, very uncomfortable for Villarreal, who are really disappointing, Sid. I mean, Villarreal mm. um, are shipping lots of goals uh, since Marcelino took over. Three goals in each of their last uh, three matches. Uh, and he says, the manager, if they keep defending like that, they'll be relegated. Uh, um, yeah. They're not far. You know, they're only three points above the drop zone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's exactly, as you say, his, his point, you know, nine goals in three games. You, you don't do that. You don't do that and survive. It just doesn't happen. Um, there are enough poor teams around them. I think there are enough good players in their team that, that you feel like they should be able to turn it around. But then, you know, we've had seen two different managers have difficulties with it. I think that we have a degree of faith in Marcelino because everywhere he's been just about has been successful, except possibly the the, the brief spell at, at, at Sevilla. And although things were successful, it didn't end very well at Villarreal last time. Although that... You know, that problem has been overcome because it was largely about him and the president and some of the players, but fundamentally about him and the president. And I think they, that's been overcome by, by needs. Um, and I don't think they will be in trouble for very much longer. But you're right, this is too many goals to be letting in. And, and, and he will, I think, Marcelino, try to, try to address that very, very directly. And I think that if his career so far is anything to go by he will address that with straight lines he mm. will address that with a midfield four that gets quite close to the defensive four and the, the, a team that doesn't play entirely on the break but largely plays on the break mm. and is able to play a bit deeper and protect the back four uh, on to uh, Valencia 1, Barcelona 1, uh, another game in which Rome, uh, Barcelona dropped points. Uh, three games without a win, they're seven points off the top of the table which could be nine tonight if Girona win. Uh, in recent weeks, uh, Xavi has maybe uh, upset maybe some Barcelona fans with his discourse post-matches suggesting that his team played well, but they just didn't take their chances and they played well enough to win. I think if any of the performances deserve that kind of uh, analysis, maybe it was this one, because actually they were in control of this game, it felt like, and they didn't look like they were going to lose mm. it before Hugo Guillamon popped up and scored a, a wonder goal on his first start of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I do think they played okay in this. I do think they created sufficient chances. And Xavi talks about efficiency and you look at the numbers and, and, and that backs that up. I think that I, I think you're absolutely right to frame it the way you do, though, which is that in recent weeks, while Xavi could grab the numbers and say, look at the shots we take and we should have scored more goals and we can count ourselves a little unlucky and we've played okay, the eye test didn't always bear that out. 
you, you would watch them and think, I'm not entirely convinced by this. I'm not sure that I'm seeing a particularly good team. You know, he talked about bad luck at, at, at Vallecas, for example, and I just don't think that stands up at all. Um, mm. You know, even even the Atletico Madrid game, when I think they were the better side and I think they did play pretty well, in the last 25 minutes, they very nearly didn't didn't get the victory. And, and possibly taking taking that last part of the game, you'd say they were a little fortunate to get the victory. You that you then look at um, Athletic Bilbao and they win in the last minute. They they they've had lots of performances when actually they've got more than they deserved. And so so I understand Xavi's position. I think it's entirely human as well to say, oh, we could have got more and we deserve more. And I feel sorry for a team. And and you know he said this after the the Clasico, for example. But you look at the way they won the league last year, and it was almost the complete opposite. This team was incredibly efficient, despite not always being particularly impressive. Now you might say, well, I've seen more games than they've created chances. But first of all, there aren't that many more of them. In fact, I don't think there's that mm. many at all. And secondly, well, this time it's biting you. Um, I, I do think it poses questions about Lewandowski. I think it poses questions about the chances missed um, by Rafinha at times as well. I think it poses questions about the contribution of goals from, from deeper positions, from the midfielders as well. Um, but he's right on this occasion. That said, if you look at the Hugo Guillemot goal... At the risk of sounding very English, mm. right, that ball bounces around the edge of the penalty area, I think twice, maybe even three times. No one puts a challenge in. Mm. No one even seems to kind of, you know, buffer up against any of the Valencia players. Given how little space there is, Hugo Guillemot is afforded quite a lot of it. Um, there's a weakness in the challenge. It's even, it, it's at times I think a bit easy to say this, but you watch it again. And you saw, there's lots of people kind of standing there watching it. Hmm. And, and, no, and, and yes, it's risky to go flying into challenges around the edge of the area. Yes, it's risky to, 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 to potentially give away a free kick in that position. And yes, it's true. This is about the only moment that Valencia have, apart from the chance they get very, very, very early on in the game, about, about two minutes in. But it's so badly defended. And the most basic elements of defending as well, which is part of the reason why I'm now sounding like a ramp, because I look at it and think, oh, it's amazing to see a professional team handle something that mm -hmm. simple that badly. Sounds a little bit like a rant. Yeah, but that's fine. Um, that's what we're here for. You're, you're allowed to run. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Shout out to Valencia, by the way, who, okay, they're not on their necessarily best run of form in terms of uh, victories, and it's five five or six games without a win, but 
They're sitting 10th in the table. They're seven points above the relegation zone. They are doing considerably better than uh, some of us thought they would do at the start of the season. Sid. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw a caveat in there, though, which is to say that it's, part, it's partly propped up. Those figures are partly propped by- up by what they did early in the season. So, so although although they get a decent result against Barcelona this time round, for example, you I think you look at it and you think, okay, but in are they performing in a way that suggests that they stay in tenth or do they start to slip down? Now, admittedly, they've got correct me if I'm wrong. I think they've got something like a four point gap from anything that looks problematic. If you sort of mean. So you've got, they're on 20, aren't they? And I think you have to go down to 16 before you start getting into that yeah. cluster of teams and relegation zone. So it's yeah. not just that they're somewhere off the relegation zone in terms of points and, uh, and positions, but it's also... There's a there's lot some, of teams between them. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's quite a big jump between them and the mess and the moment in which mm. you start thinking, I'm going to get dragged into it. But if, I, I've just brought up their stats here to see if I could stand up what I was saying. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So it's only two wins in nine. And so they, they, they won three of their first five games. And so at that point, you think, mm. wow, they're doing really well. And since then, I think, I think you'd be a little bit more concerned about it. In that spell, they've beaten, uh, I think it's Cardiff and, in fact, I'll look it up for you, Cardiff and Granada. So they've not mm-hmm. beaten great teams. Now, all right, they've got a draw against Atletico, which is actually a really good result away from home, a draw, a draw at Celta, which isn't a great result, and that draw against Barcelona, which is a bit fortunate. But I do think you look at it and think, yeah, it's getting, it, it, it's all right. But I think they, I don't think they will breathe that easily yet although they've got a really important cushion there's no doubt about it you know they're halfway to salvation already they're also propped up by the fact that there are two sides that are looking already almost relegated Almeria on five points and Granada on eight points Um, that's going to help everyone else out unless they start turning things around in pretty uh, spectacular fashion speaking of spectacular we've got to talk about athletic clubs Sid and that uh, absolute destruction of of Atletico Madrid at San Mames you said this was the performance of the season so far from Athletic and it was on their 125th birthday celebration yeah I I think it might be the best performance I've seen from any team in La Liga this this season Um, Mm. I'm sure that if I sat here now and went through the Girona games I could probably come up with two or three that would challenge it Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, two or three probably. Um, but but I don't think I've watched a game this season and thought, wow, you are brilliant. Quite like did you I did watched, after this. Did you watch Girona away to Barcelona? Yes. You watched yes. that one, yeah. I, and that yeah. was a, I think that was a more enjoyable game because it was more open. But in terms yeah. of one team just blowing the other team apart, I, I thought yeah. this was even more striking. Um, okay. Uh, and, and Girona, I think, are brilliant. And, and you're right, yeah. Girona are the the, the obvious other, the you know, they're the obvious other choice. And I think the Barcelona game is is, is definitely one of them. Uh, definitely one of them that's up there. I think that might okay. be that might have been the best game of the season so far. But I just think, in terms of that sense of you know, you're playing against a team that in theory is really really good, and mm. you do not give them a hope in hell in the whole mm. game. You beat mm. them two 0 and it should be three times that. You mm. you just dominant your and there was a kind of a breathlessness about it as well the way they they mm. went at, at atletico um i i think they had the, the the best winger in la liga is williams and the second best liga winger in la liga is williams that and and, and athletic one of the things that's really interesting i think this season is you're getting more goals than ever from Inaki, having put him out to the wing mm-hmm. you're getting assists from Inaki and an assist from nico I think the role of Sanset coming through the middle has been really important, but Gurutheta has been really interesting as well because Gurutheta not only has eight goals, which is well on course for being his best season. His best season was 13 with Amorabieta in the second division when they went down. 
Uh, mm. I think last year at Athletic, he got five or six. But it's not just the goals. I actually think he's, he's a really interesting forward. And I think one of the reasons why we're seeing goals from Iñaki, despite playing nominally wide, is because Guruceta, and forgive me for saying this, and I realise I'm taking a big leap here, but bear with me. Benzema. In that Guruceta is very, very what? good. Yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to say that, and you're absolutely right too. But let me explain what I mean. Guruceta, I think, is very good at being the forward that others can play off, but also being, at the, being the forward that can vacate the space to allow others to go into it. And I think he's really, I think he's really quite clever. I, I think he's a much better centre forward than he than he looks. A much better footballer than being a centre forward implies. Now, yeah. obviously Benzema is a hugely, but I'm just, I, what I mean is in terms of the the, the kind of positions he's prepared well, to take up and the kind of spaces he's prepared prepared to vacate. That's very interesting you say that. I mean, my obviously I value your opinion higher than you know almost anyone else. When, Speaking about Spanish, well, and more than anyone else, but I just, Guruceta seems to me quite, like, technically, sort of considerably more limited than almost everyone else. Oh, no, who's technically. Hang yeah. on. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay. talking about the technique okay. here. This is I what mean, I'm doing. I'm talking about, absolutely not talking about the technique. Okay. I think he's quite good for others to play off in that he's he can be that 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 body, if you're something that you go to and you get the ball back off. Okay. Yeah. But I think the, the, the thing, yeah, I'm not talking about Benzema technique-wise. I'm talking about Benzema in terms of the willingness to vacate spaces. Okay. And sort of to intelligence allow others to come and into space them. awareness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I think there's something in him that's really quite interesting. Because you're right, you look at him and you don't think there's a technically gifted player at mm. all. Mm. But I think, I, think, I, think he, I think he gets it. Mm. I think he understands something. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But I think that's part of why it's working. Also, of course, it's also true that you're getting wingers... Who are and I was actually going through the the, the assist providers this this season mm. to try and work this out because I, I'm trying to work out where the assists are coming from. There's a lot of assists from 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 wider positions, so sometimes from the fullbacks. So you see assists from from Berenguer when 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 he plays. You see assists sometimes from Lekwe when he plays. Um, and I and I think I think obviously Gordotheta is a beneficiary of that, but I think he is making. I think other players are beneficiaries of him, mm. uh, and I think Iñaki is the obvious example of this. Okay, uh, we've got to move on. Uh, no time to discuss uh, Atleti, but uh, we will try to on the uh, Q&A podcast if someone asks us about them. Diego Alonso's gone then, Sydney. Kiko Sanchez-Flores is yeah. incoming. Uh, Diego Alonso uh, had to leave. It just was not viable. And that performance uh, from Sevilla was maybe the players making the bed, as they say in Spanish. Certainly, it didn't, didn't feel like they were playing to try and save the uh, the manager. It really was quite uh, extraordinary how um, how poor they were. Is Kike yeah. Sanchez Flores the man to turn things round for Sevilla? Um, I guess the analysis of that depends on our analysis of what's wrong with them. Um, because Kike did an exceptional job turning around Getafe um, the last time he was there. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then obviously things drifted away from him a bit. And that job was based in part on creating uh, kind of, if you like, a... I don't know how to describe it. I suppose I'd call it a psychological well-being, mm-hmm. a complicity between him and the squad, more than more than a direct um, tactical approach. Although his tactical approach was a very, very clear. I don't think I've. I, I, I may even have said this at the time. I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever seen a team play a a five-three-two that was quite such obvious straight lines of five, three and two. Normally, when you play a five at the back, you know the two wing backs, the two two wide men are, are kind of a little bit higher. 
Mm. Or they're in sort of intermediary positions between de- between defenders and midfielders. And the three in the midfield, well, one's a little bit deeper and the other two are slightly in front. With him, I remember taking a photograph of this and probably putting it on Twitter, but I'm not sure. And it was five in a dead straight line, three in a dead straight line, and two in a dead straight line. And then what I remember actually asking him in a, in a post-game press conference how he worked on that defensive line. And I said, you know, famously, Arrigo Saki would have his defenders tied together with rope to make sure they stayed in line. I said, and I've watched your defence today and I'm really struck by how straight that line is and, and how kind of rigid it is. And he talked a little bit about the, the tactical approach. So, so, so that, that, I think, may be part of it. Whether Sevilla are built to play that way, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Mm. Um, I think it might be a little bit deeper. But I think the main thing will be him trying to reach them as much as people as it will be him trying to yeah. reach them as players. Mm. And, and, and I think, I think, I think they, need, they need something because you know, there's, there's a degree of talent in that team. In fact, there's quite a high degree yeah, of, of talent in that is. team. I think, it's a, I think it's an old team and I think it's a slightly slow one. Um, but I think, there's, I think there's enough there that they should be able to survive. But I tell you what, if they don't get a good start mm. and if it looks like Kike isn't connecting with them quickly, mm. I don't know where it leaves them. Because because the, you know they're not that far off, kind of a, 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 a nervous breakdown at this point. Uh, they're level on points with uh, Celta Vigo, thirteen points. Um, who uh, Celta Vigo, the final team in the relegation spot. Sevilla do have a game in hand, although it is away to uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, before we go, it would be remiss of us not to reflect on the round of sixteen draw in the Champions League, which has been made. Of course, uh, a quarter of those teams coming from the uh, best league in Europe. La Liga. Yep. With um, all group winners as well. All group winners, all seeded, and uh, all with some interesting ties. Uh, Barcelona drawn against Napoli, Inter Milan against Atletico Madrid in the Diego Simeone derby, PSG against Real Sociedad, and Real Madrid taking on RB Leipzig. Um, the PSG Real Sociedad tie is uh, a very, very, very interesting one. Not least. Because a lot of people are thinking Real Sociedad are going to knock them out. Like, genuinely, I'm surprised at how many people are quite as confident in, in La Real's ability. I, sh- I mean, not because I don't think La Real are a great team. They are, but it just is quite striking, uh, I think, where they are and what they've done this season and how they're playing. At the moment, people are really quite confident. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm confident of them. Hmm. Um, that said... I'm going to start this with the proviso we always put in place with this round of the Champions yes. League. We are a very long way away from these games. Uh, what is it? The 16th of February, I think, is the first first round of, of, of um, knockout games in the Champions League. And there are a lot of teams who will look very different then. Mm. But the reason I mention this now, I mean, apart from the fact that you just have to mention it anyway as your kind of standard provi- uh, proviso, the reason I mention it now is that I think if there is a team that is likely to look much better in two months' time than they do now, it's PSG. Mm. Because I have um, quite a lot of faith in Luis Enrique. Mm. Because I think what he's trying to do is a total overhaul of PSG. And so I think the potential impact of added time I think is greater there than possibly at almost any other club. Um, because I think there are some signs of it going roughly in the right direction anyway. Mm. And so there's a bit of me that thinks, I suspect that PSG will actually be quite good by then. Mm. Now, I don't know if quite good is properly good, um, 
But, you know, they are the team that if you finish first in the group, you didn't want, probably. They're probably of the teams that finished second, the one that you'd say, mm, really don't fancy them. Or maybe, maybe them and Inter. Um, well, and this is a funny thing, actually. Maybe them, Inter and Napoli. <laughs> and so you look at it from a Spanish team's point of view and think, well, this isn't a great draw, really, is it? Mm. Um, I must admit, I don't have a huge amount of faith right now in Barcelona. Mm. So I, I'm not very confident them going through. I have a lot of faith in Real Sociedad, but I'm not entirely confident of them going through. And I'm not sure what to think about Atletico. Mm. Because, you know, they've, they've lost three in a row away from home now, but they've won 20 in a row at home. And again, though, this is two months away. Yeah. Uh, what happens if Griezmann gets injured? Uh, there's, lots, there's lots of things. My, my suspicion is that we get half of these Span- Spanish teams will go through, mm. but only half of them. Okay. And I think Real Madrid will be one of them. And my doubt is who the other one is. All right. Well, I wasn't going to ask you for a prediction, but you've given us one. So uh, oh. that's, uh, that's good. That's Which good. That's good. Um, Head on the block. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, uh, listen, we've got to go. Uh, but coming up uh, this week is a full round of midweek Christmas fixtures uh, before the Christmas break uh, in La Liga. So on Tuesday, you've got Rayo Valencia, Atletico Madrid against Getafe and Granada against Sevilla. Then on Wednesday, Barcelona Almeria, Athletic Club Las Palmas, Villarreal Celta. And then on Thursday, Betis Girona, Cadiz La Real, Mallorca Osasuna and Alaves against Real Madrid. And on Saturday, the final game of the year uh, is uh, Atletico Madrid against Sevilla, that rescheduled game. So uh, lots of... Uh, Christmas football before the Christmas break here in La Liga. I think this is our final pod of the uh, of the year, Sid. Because, um, well, I sure as hell am I'm not going to be here next week to do a pod with you. So uh, let's. What, that, what 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 is next week? Next Monday? What day is it? Is it Christmas Day itself? It's not. It is Christmas Day. It, yeah, so it's Christmas Day. We will not be doing a podcast. We will not be doing a podcast. But uh, um, we'll be back. Um, on the first of the first of December, the first of January, rather, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll be back. Maybe. We'll, we'll be podding. We'll be podding. But I got slightly week. caught out by um, I got slightly caught out by the rescheduling of Atletico against Sevilla. Yes. I had already arranged my flight back when I was asked to cover that. I thought, ah, uh, sorry about this. Well, no can do. You, you can't do it. Obviously, good. I'm glad you didn't no. reschedule a flight to, to to cover that. Good. No, no, no. You thought uh, about so, it. I, so. My last game of the year. My last game of the year will be at, at Samames, which should be fun. Oh, magnificent. You're going up on Wednesday. Fantastic. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. Um, we'll speak soon, amigos. Thanks for the support as ever. Uh, thanks for listening to us throughout the year. Uh, we love Spanish football and we love sharing our passion with you guys. Thanks for joining us. If you want some more content, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. And if you don't want to pay for it, all right, we understand. We'll do more free podcasts in the new year. Adios. Cheerio.